Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Crohn's disease is an inflammatory bowel disease causing inflammation of the digestive tract. This can lead to abdominal pain, fatigue, severe diarrhea, weight loss, and malnutrition. Our guest today is going to tell us about his Crohn's disease, how pharmaceuticals did not help him, but cannabis did. But when he made his own cannabis oil in 2011, he had a terrible accident and he almost killed himself in a fire while making it. And joining us from Nova Scotia, Canada is Chris Backer. Chris, thanks for joining us and I appreciate you being here today. Thanks for having me on, Ian. I appreciate it. Now, before we talk about your accident, let's talk about your Crohn's. How old were you when you found out you had Crohn's disease? I was 16 when I was diagnosed with Crohn's. 16 years old. And and what were some of the problems you were experiencing at the time? I just saw a lot of pain, cramping, uh, tons of time in the bathroom, whether it be from throwing up or sitting down, one or the other, so... Uh, it was just, didn't know what was wrong. Uh, the first doctor diagnosed me as Crohn's, and then years of subsequent doctors, it was, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't. It were, for, for people with Crohn's, the term inconclusive is our favorite test result answer. Um, so it's just kind of one of those things that uh, went on for a lot of years, just pain pills, different different prescriptions, like more than I can count. It, yeah, it just it just kept on, kept on, keeping on, and there was no there was no answer in sight. There was no end in sight, and you know, it was it was quite 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 difficult to deal with. Especially you know, being a student in school makes it tougher. I mean, it's not easy on anybody, but you know, when you're worried about shitting yourself all the time, um, uh, socialization becomes difficult. That, that must have been horrible at 16 years of age. You know, that's when you're out with your friends and, you know, interested in girls or, you know. Yeah, or even just playing sports. You want to play football with your friends, but you don't know if a hard tackle is going to cause you to shit yourself and have everybody laugh at you all the way home, right? So, Yeah, the interesting thing about Crohn's, I know a fellow who has Crohn's, and uh, when, you, when you leave home, you have to be aware of where the bathrooms are where you're going. Yeah, and a lot of people, that, that happens so often that eventually a lot of people start not wanting to leave home anymore for the security of their own bathroom. I mean, how many people that you know that don't even, let, I don't use public washrooms. <laughs> Good for freaking you, dick. I have no freaking choice. And when yeah. it's time to go, it's time to go. But some people, they don't even think that they can sit on a public toilet. So, you know. Chris, I want to ask you, uh, you said you threw up a lot when you were a, a teenager. Um, is, is that part of Crohn's? Absolutely. I mean, when, when times are bad, I remember spending the first two hours every morning dry heaving before school. So it was, yeah, it was as bad as it could be. You wake up on the floor sometimes because you threw up so often that you just woke up on the floor. But in, and there's nothing in your stomach. You're not throwing anything up. It's just dry heaving. You're just kind of retching. It must be awfully depressing. 
even uh, as an adult, but as a, as a teenager growing up and knowing that you really can't socialize like your friends and you can't do what your friends are doing, uh, you must enter into a, a state of uh, despair at times. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is really easy to get into the whole why me thing, but uh, I, I don't know. So, so, some people fall deeper into that kind of thing than other people do. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of... Uh, problem with depression so to speak but i mean it means yeah it, it absolutely sucked it wasn't fair it wasn't fun and you know i didn't always get to hang out with my friends but uh you know there was enough other times that you know it, it, it it's not the end of the world let's put it that way chris my guess is that when you were diagnosed the doctors put you on a slew of pharmaceuticals more than i can count yeah and more, like did they help at all um, well, prednisone uh, is, well, it's a steroid. Uh, it's a pretty good one. The problem is they can't keep it, keep you on it for any length of time. It pulls all the calcium out of your bones and causes all kinds of problems later on in life. So you're, you're, you're trading off now for later kind of thing. So uh, they don't like to leave you on that. It's the only thing that ever really ever made a difference of any kind at all is when things are really bad. Prednisone also helps uh, bring me back around, but uh, again, I've used it for so many years, they don't even want to put me on it anymore, so uh, they're looking to put me on something else again here soon, because uh, things haven't been the greatest, but uh, I, I've told them that I'm just going to keep on with my pot for now, and uh, hope that things turn around. Uh, it's one of the things about cannabis and uh, Crohn's disease, is, I mean, I've seen you know, all the years that I've been researching it and looking into it and just trying to learn you see people that have cured their Crohn's or put it into remission 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 wow uh with uh with cannabis and uh I haven't been that lucky I mean it it has uh it's been great I couldn't imagine life without it I mean I I'd be a, I'd be a pill a pill junkie for sure I mean it just I need something for the pain and cannabis where it doesn't just kind of get rid of all the pain. It does make everything else that you're going through a little more tolerable. And maybe that's where the depression part comes. I mean, because cannabis is an antidepressant as well. So, I mean, you're kind of getting a few benefits as well as just the pain relief and uh, the easing of the spasming and uh, things along that lines. So when you're using cannabis, Chris, uh, for your Crohn's, uh, do you do edibles or do you do oil or do you vape or do you do all three? I, I do as however I can get it into me. Uh, part of the Crohn's, you wind up with eczema and uh, other skin conditions. It's because it's an autoimmune disease. So I use the cannabis for topicals. I eat my RSO, uh, usually straight oil, but uh, you know, every once in a while when I'm making edibles for other people you know i get into the edibles you got to stay away from them they pack the weight on pretty hard um but yes and then smoking i mean smoking is uh the the the, the instant relief it's it's the thing that gets you quickly and uh kind of you know helps calm things and settle a lot of the cramping and stuff right i'm wondering if uh cory maybe you can add something to this if Chris used uh, suppositories, whether that would be a benefit? I don't I've, know. I've tried suppositories. I, I've made the suppositories. Uh, I didn't find uh, it made any difference for me. I, I don't think I uh, really committed to the uh, 
endeavor fully. I mean, I didn't go for any like the time. I tried them for a bit. I think it was probably for about a week. And uh, I didn't notice any difference from anything else that I'd been doing. So I just kind of stay. As a, as a Crohn's person, I like to stay away from my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, that's, uh, that's understandable. Does I, anybody else in your family have Crohn's, Chris? Uh, my sister's got uh, IBD or IBS. I don't know which one you call it nowadays. Um, but uh, she's got, uh, you know, problems, but uh, not Crohn's. But um, now it's 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 one of those things. I mean, uh, no, I I don't know what to say there. Well, <laughs> it's interesting. I was uh, I was looking up Crohn's disease last night, and uh, they kind of lump it together with intestinal bowel disease, don't they? IBS or IBD, yeah, it's, it's like how everything is COPD, right? I mean, asthma, COPD, bronchitis, is COPD. They're, I mean, it's it's a big conglomeration. They're all different inflammatory bowel diseases, colitis, from. Yeah, yeah, all under the same umbrella, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. So, one one co- one's covers them all. IBS and the other one, IBD, covers just a specific one. I think so. Yeah, and uh, it, in- indica- it indicated that North America has the highest uh, rate of Crohn's IBD in, in the world, and, and is in China. Like I guess they don't get it at all, really. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's the were you, when you were sixteen, you were diagnosed. Were you eating a healthy diet or a crappy diet? Most of us, when we were teenagers, had a crappy diet. Pretty crappy diet, yeah. I still eat, I still eat a pretty crappy diet. Oh, you do. Shame on you. Oh, <laughs> I can't eat the good stuff. I never could. Like vegetables just kill me. Like they're I I'd rather eat a broken light bulb than an apple. <laughs> <laughs> and I love apples. Like the, the thought of eating an apple, I could just go drool thinking about it. But uh, yeah, no, I can't eat an apple. It's just goes right yeah. through you. No, it's just pain. It's three days of pain for eating an apple, and it's, it's I, I've done it anyway because apples are really good. When you when you can't have something, certain things are really like like I said. I can, I can picture right now taking it off the tree and biting into it. And, so, yeah, sometimes it's worth it anyway. But, yeah, I eat an apple. It's three days of uh, suffering. Wow. Pain, yeah. Tell us how you discovered cannabis, how you migrated from pharmaceuticals, mainly from off pharmaceuticals, onto cannabis. Well, the, the first doctor that diagnosed me when I was 16 made an off-the-cuff comment about pot. And, uh, if I could find pot, it would probably help, but I shouldn't smoke because that makes it worse. So I kind of, I went with that and that doctor then moved to the state. So I spent the next 20 years trying to find another doctor that might be willing to let me try pot. Well, in the meantime, though, I, you know, I, I discovered it for myself. I mean, I didn't use pot till I was about 19. So, I mean, and then after that, I uh, watched the Rick Simpson video and that pretty much uh, changed my life and uh, that, uh, it got me making oil. It got me feeling healthier, and I was able to help other people. And it's yeah, it's, it's that that video was a game changer for me. Yeah, it's helped. Um, I'd probably say millions of people around the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of really good information that uh, 
a lot of people should know. And uh, that's one of the th neat things about the whole cannabis thing is, well, now that it's legal, it's a, a little less. But for so long, it's like we've been the keepers of this little secret. We've been trying to yell about it and help people with it. And uh, it's been neat being the keepers, being the one that can you know share that information with people. The whole each one teach one. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And Rick was from Nova Scotia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've I've met him a couple of times. He's uh, quite a guy, and uh, like I said, uh, he's watching that video. Uh, like it, it changed my life. It changed the direction of my life. Uh, uh, the, the helping people and just uh, spreading the word about cannabis and uh, watching the changes that it's made in people's lives. Just every day, it's it makes a difference in somebody's life. It's it's pretty amazing. Thing so for, for listeners who don't know uh, about this video, the video is called Run From The Cure, and it's on uh, YouTube. It's also the video that I saw that changed my life, Chris, and that's how I found out about cannabis oil. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a, it's, there's a lot of people making oil out there. I mean, because of the Rick Simpson's rick simpson video they call it rso or rick simpson oil it's all still the same oil yes he, he didn't introduce anything new but he reintroduced something that uh a lot of people have forgotten about or were using wrong i mean we all used oil back in the day but we spread it on papers and but we tobacco in it or mixed it with our weed we didn't eat it okay and, and that was that was that was the game changer i mean I tell all kinds of people, you got to eat your medicine. If you get a headache, you can't smoke a Tylenol and expect to get rid of your headache. <laughs> you got to eat your You can't? That's what I've been doing wrong. There you go. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that analogy, but I can I can assure you though that I know for a fact, at least in Prague, spreading oil on paper and then putting tobacco in is uh, alive and well, very much alive and well in Prague. <laughs> Love smoking cannabis with tobacco here in Nova Scotia. It's blast from my wrap my brain around. <laughs> How much oil do you tend to tend to use a day, Chris? Approximately. Obviously, it would depend, I guess, on you know what kind of day you're having. But it, it does, and and you know, I mean, when you're in the positions that I know, like yourself, or in Corey, where you're always helping other people and things, we don't end up taking all the oil that we should either so i, I you know i kind of I, I don't use as much as i should most times so i kind of that 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 part of my problem but if, if i if i had my druthers i'd probably be taking about uh a gram and a half two grams of oil a day now mm -hmm. okay with the feel feeling the way that i'm feeling okay and you know but uh when things are going all right i mean it's just just like Rico always said, you just need a little maintenance dosage, uh, you know, 100 milligrams a couple times a day, and that's about it. You don't even you don't even notice that you're taking it anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, Chris, we're, Corey and I are going to give you hell. You have to take one to two grams a day. I get yelled at all the time for it, trust me. The, the people that are part of my uh, the East Coast Cannabis Substitution Program with me uh, regularly admonish me for uh, not taking my meds. It's uh, it's just we're ganging up on you. I know it happens all the time. Everybody does. You have to look after you to look after others, and I hear it too all the time. So you, you got to part of start a support page. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, Chris, we have to talk about the accident when you made your oil in two thousand and eleven. 
Tell us about that. Uh, well, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was April. I was, uh, it was, a, it was a great day. It was, I was looking forward to getting a lot of oil made. And, uh, at that point I was, I'd, uh, I've been, I've been making oil for a long time. I've made oil thousands of times and I've always used, uh, crock pots and slow cookers, but this was the one and only time that I ever used a rice cooker. Somebody had donated to me brand new right out of the box, black and Decker piece of shit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, away I went, I was, uh, into day two of cooking off my oil and, uh, I ran upstairs just to grab a glass of water and on my way downstairs, the lights were flickering. I mean, I was gone for a minute and there was, uh, I came downstairs and I have a nine foot ceiling and coming out of the top of my crock, top of my rice cooker was, uh, a, a 15 foot flame in the room with a nine foot ceiling. So like a jet engine. So if I had had the lid right there, it would have made it would have made a big difference. Always have the lid. Well, you should never do it inside too. That's yeah, another. yeah. So th this was inside, yes. It, this was inside, absolutely. I mean, it's. I mean, we all know we're supposed to do it, but we also don't want to get caught. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. why people do it inside? There's a reason. It's not just because they're stupid. It's because they don't want to go to jail for making oil, which you're not allowed to do. So, um, yeah. So. So you have this this fifteen foot flame coming out, and uh, what did you do? Try try to pick up the rice cooker and put it outside, and uh, kind of caught the edge of the door, the window frame, and uh, it just all kind of spilled back on me. So uh, I had to run around for a bit to get the dogs out of the house, and I had a couple other pails of alcohol that were in the house. I could I could picture in my mind. Uh, firefighter kicking the door and it exploding and me being responsible for the death of firefighters too so i had to get the alcohol out of the house because that was down by the oil tank and yeah so i was in and out of the house about six times and this is this is after you after you had initially been burned yeah after i've been burned and rolled around for a bit and it's neat they tell you they tell you in school roll back and forth right stop drop and roll they get you rolling back and forth they need to teach you to roll that stop, drop, and roll in one direction. When you roll back and forth, you're out of fire, you're back on fire. You're out of fire, you're back on fire. It's a really stupid thing to do. You need to roll in one friggin' direction. Um, yeah, so once I was out, yeah, I was back in the house five or six times to get the dogs out and stuff. And What part of your body was burned during uh, this, Chris? Burned 85%. Oh, my wow. good God. 85% burned. So I was seven months I was in the hospital. Then I was in uh, rehab for a month after that. But uh, yeah, that was uh, a few years ago now. And uh, she's uh, quite a time. I gotta say that. I wouldn't recommend it. When you were in hospital, did you use any oil on your burns? Um, in the beginning, I wasn't allowed. We had a lot of arguing with the legal the legal team and the lawyers at the hospital about getting me permission to be able to use it. I screamed about it every day. After a month, they finally gave in and they let me have my cannabis. The day I had my first cannabis was the day that the friggin' most horrible hallucinations I'd ever had finally stopped. I mean, it was one month of just, I was on so many pharmaceuticals, nothing was real. Like, but the day that I got my first dose of pot was the last hallucination I had. Instantly stopped. Like, I, I can't even begin. That meant more to me than the pain going away. 
because nothing was real anymore. It was what made that all kind of just boom, just like a slap in the face, reality. Well, Chris, I can't imagine the pain you were going through when, when what was it, 75% of your body was burned? 80. 80%. 80%. 85%. Uh, well, it, it's, when you're burned to that degree, like, I mean, I had a stroke at the same time because I was on fire and stuff and the double pulmonary embolism and stuff because it was smoke. But uh, it just... The, the, the pain part's not there. The pain part only really came up when you were getting bandage changes, right? Beyond that, the all the other stuff that I was on. And uh, again, when I when they finally allowed me to have pot, they cut my pharmaceuticals down just drastically because I didn't need it as much. So awesome. They, they keep coming in the room going, you sure you don't want something for pain? I'm going, nope, I'm good. Right. And th- until dressing changes. And th- those were just like, you might as well just throw me, you, but I'd just rather have you light me back on fire again. Because it pulls part of your skin off, right? Well, yeah, just everything just tears. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh. It's, the, the dressing changes are they're worse than the fire. Because like I said, when you're on fire, it doesn't even hurt. It just You just know how bad it is to be on fire, right? Your brain shuts off. All you, all, all you see is everything that uh, yeah, you were working towards going away, right? So Yeah, because you're in a state of shock at the time. Shock. Huge yeah, show. yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's why it's it's, it's not, not so much that it hurts. It's you're yelling because you know you know that it's just bad. Wow! 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 Do you so have? When, go ahead. When Corey. you when you when you were using uh, cannabis in the hospital, what form were you using it? Edibles, edibles. edibles. I <laughs> I wasn't allowed to you know vape or smoke in the hospital and. Uh, once I was allowed to move, then yeah, it was quick treks down to the parkade for a hoot here and there. And it was really funny because I'd come back from the parkade and I have a little smile on my face. And here's this guy with an airplane cast on one arm and in a wheelchair and his legs stuck out there, bandages wrapped all over the place, blood draining right through my Johnny shirt with a smile on my face. And they're like, you look, you're in a good mood. And they get me up front. Make me feel like I can't from going down for a pop. <laughs> Do you have a lot of scarring as a result? Oh yeah, I, I am a scar. You are a scar. I am a scar. Yeah, I'm just I'm just all scars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. It's my face. And I did. I got pretty lucky with my face and uh, my junk. I didn't burn my junk, so I'm good with that. Um, but uh, beyond that, yeah, I mean. Wow. Everything else is pretty much scared right to the soles of my feet, right? How was your Crohn's while you were in hospital? It was real bad right before I went in. Like, right when I, before I went in, I was down to about 150 pounds. I was doing terrible. And uh, then when I was in the hospital, they started pounding the protein shakes to me and stuff. The, uh, because you lose a lot of weight to heal. Mm-hmm. You burn twice as many calories as you do just even if you're exercising. So you need to really get the, the protein and the calories into you. So they did that. and They blew me up to about 250 pounds. And then, uh, yeah, then I had to work to get that back off. But, yeah, the Crohn's wasn't too bad. I mean, it, 
the fire actually changed a lot of things that I couldn't eat. Like I can eat a don't air now. I couldn't eat a don't air before, but after the fire, yeah, that didn't help with the weight either. So you're in hospital. You weigh 150 pounds. They're they're feeding you a lot, and you gained a hundred pounds in, in in the eight months. Yeah, in the, in, the, in the seven months that I was in the hospital, I went when I went over to rehab. I had bought, I had just bought another hundred and fifty dollar bag of protein shake protein powder mix, mm-hmm. and come over to the hospital the new hospital with me. I said, "Where's my protein mix?" He goes, what do you need that for? I said, the doctor said I need to have my protein powder for my weight. He goes, have you looked in a mirror? (laughs) 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 And he was skinny either, but I get his point. So there was no, I stopped taking the protein powder then. It had just become a habit. They just pounded in India, pounded in India, and then they don't stop when they see you ballooning up like, holy crap. Do a guy a solid and tell him, you know, before he gets that big that he's that big, right? Yes. Well, I just burned 85%. Looking in the mirror was not top priority for me. I didn't realize how big I was getting. I wasn't looking at myself. No. no you, were just lu- you were just lucky you were alive. I, yeah, but I didn't want to see what I looked like. Yeah. I'd seen myself in a mirror a couple times, but I didn't want to see what I looked like. It's not something to be happy about. So, uh, Chris, now I don't give but whatever. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned that uh, you normally did it in a crock pot. This time you did it in a rice cooker for the first time. And I've never made oil, so tell me why a rice cooker is bad and a crock pot is good. Uh, well, first of all, uh, like in the Rick Simpson video, he calls for a rice cooker. That's what he recommends in in, in the mm-hmm. in the video. Uh, it's and that's the wrong tool. And the reason it's the wrong tool is, first of all, how long does it take to make rice? It's 10 to 20 minutes, max, 20 minutes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Crock pots are designed to go for 8, 10, 12 hours at a time. Rice cookers are not. That's the first problem. The second problem is the way rice cookers work is when uh, they get near to done, they shut off on their own. They have a little switch inside that, that flicks over. When that flicks over, there's actually a spark in that switch. Okay? It's the way rice cookers work. The reason that they're popular over a slow cooker is because slow cookers are slower. Rice cooker gets hotter, so it boils a little more violently, and it makes your it drops your volume quicker. It, it evaporates things faster. But again, it's it's more violent. Uh, it's a better, better chance of it splattering, and uh, you know maybe causing other problems. It's it's just it's the wrong tool for the job, in my opinion. In my opinion, and uh, Corey, when you uh, when you were making oil, did you make it in a rice cooker or a crock pot? I made it in a rice cooker. That was back in the day before there was any uh, info, direct info. Yeah. So yeah, I just did what they showed uh, in the videos, but I did it outside, and I had a fan and the whole nine yards. And uh, that's, that's why your rice cooker never became a problem, right? Mm. Long as you get the fumes away from you, okay, or, or away from the rice cooker, you're fine. It's it's just a, a, a slow cooker doesn't work the same way. It doesn't shut off like that, and they're designed to run longer hours. I mean, they're they're meant to run. I get a slow cooker to get twelve hours on the timer on the front of it, right? So yeah, yeah, and and certainly oil makings come a long way since the rice cooker. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody reclaims it now and uses stills and stuff, and they yeah. get their all back. And... Yes. Chris, when you, uh, after you got out of the hospital and you were at home and you decided to make oil again, was it a nervous experience for you? Um, well, again, um, like when we were talking about people, how people react to things, it wasn't a nervous experience for me in my head, but I would get physically sick for two days after I make oil, right? And that's the Crohn's. Right? Uh-huh. So, like, even though I, I could do it and it didn't bother me while I was doing it, it was like nothing, um, my, my, my body would tell me that my brain was lying, <laughs> Um, and uh, spank me for doing it. So it psych- psychologically, it was it was affecting you physically. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. And because it's the Crohn's, that's just that's how it would manifest itself, right? It's just because Crohn's is, is is affected by stress. So whether or not I'm thinking of having all right time, if I'm stressed, my body's going to tell me. Yeah, you're responding. Exactly. Now, Chris, you're a member of the Nova Scotia Firefighters Burn Treatment Society, aren't you? Tell us about that. Well, it's after I got out of the hospital, I really felt an obligation to uh, kind of pay back. I mean, they saved my house. They, they, they saved my life. It's, what they do is incredible, and I really wanted to kind of pay something back. So um, what I did was uh, I, I started working with them and we were organizing uh, some fun runs. I organized, I did it for three years. Uh, I organized a fun run in uh, Sackville 10 K to raise funds to send people to uh, the burn conferences that happened throughout uh, twice a year in Canada. No, every two years in Canada. And then there's a global one uh, that happens usually in the States. Uh, but uh, yeah, burn conferences for people that have been burned to, uh, just help them talk to other burn survivors and uh, make people realize they're not the only one and uh, life goes on and uh, uh, that kind of stuff. It gives you a chance to talk to some different doctors and there's uh, work groups and stuff. So Now, what about the East Coast Cannabis Substitution Program that y- you organized? What's that? Well, that, uh, that is uh, not mine. That is... Uh, Happens out west, Neil Magnuson and John Murray and a few other great folks out west have uh, organized the, the Cannabis Substitution Program. You're right. Uh, and I watched what they were doing, I, and I've met uh, Neil a couple times, and I shot him a message and said, Neil, I love what you're doing. I want to do it here. Can you help me out? They, they edited their logo a little bit so I could have East Coast on there, too, and... Uh, I put out a couple of calls to some friends. I got some product. And the next thing I know, I was out passing out uh, care packages. We started off, interestingly enough, right inside the uh, Direction 180, the drug treatment uh, center downtown Halifax, where the addicts are. And that's where I wanted to be. And we worked out of there. We did, we did two giveaways there just before Christmas last year. And uh, then they threw us out because, well, they're, they're selling drugs. And I'm giving away pot saying drugs are bad, okay? So they threw me out because it didn't make sense. And I, get, I understand totally why they did. It makes, I get it. Uh, so we've been hitting the street now. I mean, we've been uh, setting up in different locations, uh, abandoned uh, storefronts and stuff just on the main drag. And uh, 
and no care packages. We started off doing 40. We're up to 200 care packages every Monday now. I'm uh, doing it right down in front of the old, uh, there's an old abandoned junior high school, one street down from, one street down from Goddard and uh, yeah, it's been a pretty successful program on eight months now. So Chris, just to be clear to listeners, basically what you're doing is trying to assist people in getting off of opiates by giving them um, an opportunity to replace it with cannabis? Absolutely. And then, hence, substitution project. I mean, it's been proven that the cannabis does help people come off of alcohol and other pharmaceuticals and street drugs. So me being able to, and, and the people that are in those situations that might be living on the street or are addicts or homeless, uh, don't have the access to cannabis uh, as, as a supply. So with the community that I'm part of, I put out enough of a, of a plea and uh, I pestered enough people that they helped me out. And yeah, it, it's been making a real difference. And people uh, have, I, I've got people that, aren't even part of the program anymore because they've gotten off the, they've gotten off the drugs that they were on and cannabis made that much of a difference in their life. They've taken online courses and they're doing other stuff now. And wow. I've got people that uh, just, uh, they're so thankful that we show up. I mean, it's, they, they want to be off the drugs and this, this gives them an option. Now it's, a, it's a little unfortunate that just when you start doing it like this, that you know, other people can come use the program as well. Right. I mean, it's, I, I know it's not like I look for track marks on somebody's arms. I just have to, right. whoever comes, like at the food bank, you can pull up in a Cadillac and they'll still give you food at the food bank, right? So ask, ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. So if, if you're going to stand in line with uh, a bunch of homeless people and uh, drug addicts, then you obviously need it just as bad. So, Right. Chris, with the legalization in Canada, do you sense that there is a change in the public attitude toward cannabis? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there there is in the fact that uh, people go that it's legal now, so they're less twisted about it. But you get a lot of people that are a little more, uh, people get a little, uh, they get really offended with the smell, okay? So, I mean, whether you just smoked it or whether you smell like it all the time, like I, I smell like pot all the time everywhere I go. So, I mean, a lot of times I offend people just from being in the room. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they just need to get over it. <laughs> yes, but, but beyond that, I mean, it's, I mean, I've, I've had one, I had one lady that came up and yell at me in my lineup there the other day because they, she works at a daycare just down the road from me. And, uh, she said, well, what about the kids? The kids should deserve to be kids. They didn't have to see all these people lining up for free drugs. So these are the people in your neighborhood anyway. I mean, I'm just down the street, like I said, from the drug treatment center, the needle exchange, the Salvation Army, to uh, the Hope Cottage and a couple of homies, home uh, shelters for women and stuff. I mean, I'm right in the middle of it. These are where the, 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 the people are, and this is kind of where I need to be. So, And, and it's, as far as the police go, I mean, I've already – been talking to the police they've been down they, they they see what we're doing he sees the good in what i'm doing he sees the sincerity in it and he's uh he's encouraged by it so i i feel a lot of support the library i'm waiting for them to open to have people in because they want to have uh have me in for a public forum i'm like right behind the libraries where we hold our hold our uh our giveaway and uh 
they've noticed the difference when I'm in there on a Monday and a Tuesday. They don't throw people out. People aren't falling asleep at the tables. People aren't belligerent. It's, they can tell when I've been there. So it's in the in the community. It's already made a difference. And, and I've gone as far as we clean up the community too. I, I pass out extra joints, and they bring me a bag of garbage if they if, uh, I, if I give them a joint if they bring me a bag of garbage. So we kind of we every once in a while we do a community cleanup thing too. So it's it, it's it's been fun. It's been exciting, and uh, it's it's all, all thanks to Neil Magnus, and he really kind of gave me an opportunity to, to kind of pick up the ball and run with it. Yeah, that's great. Chris, I really admire what you're doing, and I really admire you for uh, having survived uh, the terrible accident in 2011 and uh, battling Crohn's and dealing with cannabis. I think uh, as a friend of ours in Minneapolis would say, you're a good human being. And uh, I want to. Pr- I really appreciate you coming on the program and, and telling your story. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, thank you, uh, Chris, and much admiration to you for all that you're doing. Uh, thank you very much. Like I said, it, but it's not just me. There's volu- I can't do this without the support and without the volunteers because this is just it's a lot of work and uh, yeah, it's it's been pretty. Uh, overwhelming to see how how quickly it's taken off and how big it's gotten great chris thank you thank you thank you so much chris amazing story that uh, chris told us and if you'd like to help us out we need your help because we're being uh, shadow blocked on facebook and we have twenty-seven thousand followers on facebook but i don't think more than probably 26 thousand probably don't get our news feeds because we are shadow blocked by Facebook. So we'd like to have our listeners spread the word on their social media platforms about Cannabis Health Radio. We'd greatly appreciate it. And you never know, you can help save someone's life by doing that. And uh, that is something that we've been struggling with on this program for many, many months is the shadow blocking by Facebook. So Help us out. We'd greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to assist us financially, you can do so. You can make a one-time donation or you can make a monthly donation for as little as $5 a month. Go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and there will be a notice there that tells you how you can go about it. Also, like to thank Ron Zahar for donating his studio time so we can record these podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. And also to Mark Viel in Belgium, who posts our podcasts every Friday night on uh, our YouTube channel, Cannabis Health Radio. That's something that you can like and subscribe to on YouTube is Cannabis Health Radio. We very, very much appreciate you listening, and we'll be back next week with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.